It is time for another week of Jade talking around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. This is Around the Nest. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler, and I speak with the radio voices around the Blue Jays affiliates. We go all the way up the ladder, and this week we start in the Appy League with the Bluefield Blue Jays. I introduce you to Zach Heldon. Zach, how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you. It's good to hear your voice for the very first time. What was your path to becoming the new voice of the Blue Jays? Uh, actually, it's it's pretty ironic that I ended up with the Jays because I grew up in the area and watched the Bluefield Orioles growing up, uh, traveled uh, around the country doing high school sports and, and doing that and, and morning radio. And I finally worked my way back home and uh, finished last year with the Jays in their little playoff run and then kind of came on full-time for this this season. All right, before we talk about this year, how was that last year during the postseason? It was very exciting. Uh, I, I really thought that uh, it was their year to get Pulaski. Pulaski's always got a great organization, and uh, the Yankees just got hot there in that series and took it from Bluefield. But I really thought they came up, coming off uh, leading the league in almost every category offensively. Uh, Ryan Noda had a great year. And I thought it was their year, but Pulaski just got hot there at the end, and it was just too much for the Jays. But uh, this year, uh, it's looking promising just here early. Okay, so let's talk about this year's Bluefield Blue Jays team. And we begin with a guy that a lot of people are very intrigued by. You got to see the professional debut of Eric Pardinio. What did you think? Good kid. I talked to him before the game. Uh, he throws hard. He is going to be a star. Uh, he went 0-1. He, he lost his first outing, didn't get the run support that he needed, but he had five strikeouts and a, and a couple of walks and was in uh, ahead of most counts all night, uh, let the defense play behind him, threw some great ground balls, and uh, he, he had the chance to win. It just uh, The unfortunate thing was out of the three games Bluefield have played, that's the only night that they haven't had run support and it was for his opener. But uh, he's he's going to be a, a star for years to come, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching him this summer here at Bluefield. Hopefully he stays all summer. Have you had the chance to talk to him very much? I, I just talked to him uh, a little bit before the game, uh, you know, uh, kind of welcomed him to the area and uh, kind of wished him luck. But uh, he he is uh, just seems like a, you know, 17-year-old kid uh, through and through. He is uh, bushy-eyed and, and ready to go, and he's going to be uh, he's going to be fun to watch. He's going to be, uh, I think, he can come up the ladder pretty quickly. Well, you've got a fun team to watch beyond him too. How about the start for your Bluefield season? Uh, Alejandro Kirk uh, last night was four for five and three RBIs in the big win over uh, Johnson City. They're two and one now, and offenses <laughs> other than the the night that. Uh, Cardinio pitched. Offense is not uh, lacked at all. 8-7 uh, walk-off win Tuesday night, and then 11-10, they held on for the victory last night. And it has been so fun to watch. These kids can hit the bat, hit the ball hard. You've got four kids right now over 400 with Kirk, uh, Andres Guerrera, Patrick Morris, Davis Schneider, and Jesus Cervino, uh, all over 500 right now here early on in the year. And they're swinging a hot bat, and it's, it's – uh, very fun to watch. They're a very good group. They're, they seem to play as a group already. It's just fascinating, especially because I got to see David Schneider last year for a cameo up in Lansing, and I've been reading a lot about Patrick Morris. They're a guy 
with the way that he swings, the way that he plays D, the way that he runs the bases, where immediately you've said he's a tough guy to take your eyes off of him? Yeah, he, uh, Morris is just, he plays the game the right way. He hustles on and off the field. Uh, on defense, he is uh, a ball hawk. It, you know, you hear that a lot in football, but he's a ball hawk uh, on, on the field as well. Uh, overall, the team's only made one error. Uh, through three games, they've played sound defensively, and really the error was uh, to uh, Iello on a throwing error, and it was kind of a you know, you know, official score. We all kind of looked at each other in the press box: was that an error? Was it not? So, it you know it uh, it wasn't a clear cut error, and uh, they're they're both sides of the ball, offensively and def- defensively. Uh, this team is is going to be strong. I think they're going to compete for an Appy League title this year. Let me ask about a couple of other guys that you didn't name. How's DJ Neal looking? DJ Neal has uh, had a couple of great ball games, 385 so far. Uh, got to show off his speed the other night with a stolen base. Uh, he's got three extra base hits, a couple of doubles, couple uh, or a triple as well, and he had three hits in game one. So uh, DJ Neal out in the outfield as well. He's tracked a lot of fly balls down. He's, he's one of those five-tool players coming up that he uh, – I, I I would not be surprised if he's up the ladder uh, halfway through the summer. He's he's having that kind of year here early. And uh, they'll be, hit the road tonight. They'll go to Burlington for the weekend. So it'll be their first trip on the road as a team. So it'll be interesting how Neil and the others react to that. But I think DJ Neil is one uh, that's going to be surprising a few people here the next couple of weeks. And another guy, a guy who lit it up in the Gulf Coast League. What are your thoughts on Dominic Abadessa in the early going? Abadessa's had a great uh, ball game. Uh, last night he played center field and uh, tracked a, a long fly ball down that uh, probably could have meant the difference. He's hitting 444 on the year with a couple of RBIs, and he seems to be in the right spot at the right time, right? whether it's being at the plate with runner on and uh, getting a, a, a clutch hit or just uh, getting a good jump or a good read on a, on a line drive or a, a fly ball. He, uh, he's special to watch as well. With uh, Abadessa, Neal, and Daniels in the outfield, uh, that group right there is going to be fun to watch all year long. The debut performance, Zach Helton joining around the nest. Find him at Z underscore Helton on Twitter. He's your voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays, just like he was last year in the postseason. Zach, thank you very much for dropping by this week. Thank you for having me and uh, looking forward to talking to you all year long. Likewise. And from Bluefield, let's move all the way up the ladder to AA New Hampshire. Let me bring in the Zick. Tyler Zickel, how are you? Jesse, I'm superb. It's nice to actually be with you than to be looking at my phone saying, oh, my gosh, I've missed the net for a second time this season. So I appreciate your patience and flexibility and very pleased to be on with you on this lovely Friday here in Manchester. Hey, totally understandable, especially with your busy schedule. Congratulations to TJ Zoik, Eastern League Pitcher of the Week. What were your thoughts? Oh, deservedly so. An absolutely stellar outing for TJ, the pride of Mason, Ohio, in his return to the Buckeye State in Akron. It was electric as he uh, pretty much silenced everybody in Canal Park all night long, including the bats of the Akron Rubber Ducks. And he followed that performance up, which was eight shutout innings with just two hits allowed. He was a part of a doubleheader in Erie 
on Tuesday following a rainout. And when you can throw Jordan Romano and TJ Zoik back-to-back in a twin bill, I say good luck to whoever's on the other side of the field. But Zoik went seven innings, gave up just two unearned runs for a total of on the road trip, 15 innings in which he did not allow a single earned run, missing a lot of bats, a lot of bad contact as well for the Seawolves. And so although Zoik had his consecutive decision win streak snapped at five. TJ certainly very deserving of that Eastern League Pitcher of the Week performance and award. And to be honest, certainly in the running for uh, the top billing for this next week as well. We'll see how things go unless they want to spread the love around the circuit. Well, let's talk about the whole team too, because you're coming off going into Erie and playing very good baseball. What keyed your sweep of the Seawolves? I think this team just continuing to be tenacious and not giving up. I think everybody, even without Vlad in the lineup or on the active roster for that matter, they all know that they can pretty much come up and get themselves back into a game if they find themselves in a hole. So talking about that doubleheader on Tuesday, Cats were up early and then saw that lead diminish in the bottom of the sixth inning of that scheduled seven-inning contest and 3-3 going into the top of the eighth as Kevin Biggio able to collect a two-RBI single to prove the difference in that one. And then with just three hits in ten innings in the, twi- in the nightcap of that twin bill on Tuesday night, New Hampshire found ways to make it happen, most notably Andrew Giot with a game-tying home run in the sixth inning. That was just the second hit of the game against the number 18 overall pick last year, Alex Fiedo for the Tigers. He made his double-A debut against the Cats. And so for Giot to hit his very first home run in the perfect spot, I think perfectly describes this Fisher Cats team this year. It's guys who are coming up and making sure that they are certainly contributing each and every day, but in the big moments, the Fisher Cats certainly not scared of rising to the occasion. And then in a back-and-forth game on Wednesday afternoon after a rain delay, you know, again, the pitching wasn't quite there in that final game of a nine-game road swing out west, but for the bats to just stay on it and to trade runs with the Seawolves, but eventually edging them out in ten innings, certainly, uh, certainly a very enjoyable sweep of the Seawolves, specifically because we played three games in a span of 24 hours and 11 minutes for a total of 28 innings in just over one full day. So I know all the guys are really pleased with the sweep, especially given the extra physical effort that they had to expend out there at UPMC Park. I want to go back because this is without Vladdy. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets injured. How did the Fisher Cats react as a group? I think initially, certainly there was a little bit of a lull in terms of offensive production, but now instead of Vlad batting third, Bo Bichette bats third, and we had the recent addition of John Birdie, who was reacquired from the Indians organization just after Vlad went on the DL. And so for Birdie to be plugged back in in what is now his fourth stint with the Cats, talk about getting a gift from whatever higher power you might pray to because John has been so so great in, in the lineup batting second and he provides a little bit of protection for Bo. And I'll be honest, Bichette has had a little bit of a coming out here in June since Vlad went on the DL as that number three batter in the lineup. I know Bo really excited to get up there, grip it and rip it every single time he comes to the plate. And so all told, splitting the production between guys like Bichette and Biggio, who now leads the league in RBI and is tied for the league league in home runs with 15, as well as Birdie. Harold Ramirez has had a very nice June. Jonathan Davis is hitting north of 300 at the top of the lineup, certainly a guy very much at the top of our list for an all-star selection this year. And also Gunnar Hyde has had a nice June as well. He's picked up a lot of key RBI over this nine-game road swing. And even though Gunnar would like to have a couple more points on his batting average, that's a guy in the lineup who's going to come up and give you good at-bats every single time. And he came through with a couple of big opportunities 
opportunities. But it's become really a shared responsibility to try and fill that hole left by Vlad. And can you truly ever pick up the production that Vlad brings when he's not in the lineup? No, you can't. But this team has certainly found ways to win, even without number 27 penciled in in the three-hole. The Zick on the road with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Well, their long road trip is over, and now they're back home starting against Reading. And that begins this evening, a seven-game homestand. Tyler Zickel, you can find him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Zickel. Thank you very much for joining in this week. Thanks very much, Jesse. The league-best Fisher Cats looking to take it to the Reading fight in Phil's tonight. We're going to have some ferocious fun out here in Manchester. Beautiful. And from AA New Hampshire, let's go down to Single A Lansing, where the Lansing Lugnuts open up their second half of the season, and it sounded like this. Right-hander against right-hander. Cadinho batting right. First and second. The pitch. Shows bunt, and back to the mound. Schuler picks it up, runs, bounces it down the right field line. Through it around third. He scores, and the Lugnuts win it on a walk-off. Yeltsin Gadinho, the hero. That is the voice of Dante DeCarius. Dante, I'm sorry to cut you short. <laughs> I want to talk to the real Dante live right now. Let's talk about these Lansing Lugnuts coming in off the All-Star break. How do you enjoy, before we get to yesterday's magic, Lansing Lugnuts All-Star Game hosting experience? We've talked about it so much on the broadcast over the last few games. Uh, and, again, it's just... Uh, a wonderful experience. I can't even put into words how much it meant um, to not only broadcast the game, but just to be down at the field with so many great, talented players. Again, I can't just, I just can't put into words how awesome it was because, I mean, if you think about it, we got to be in the same presence as a Royce Lewis, who was the first overall pick last year, a Torrey Hunter on the western side, um, Alex Kirloff, who leads the league in homers, and on the eastern side, a guy like a Miguel Amaya, Javier Assad, uh, from the South Bend Cubs, you know, the list goes on and on and on and um, just so much talent. And you can really see that. I think that a lot of these guys will be in the major league someday. So it's, um, it was just a wonderful experience to, to see all these guys at, at the young age and just with so much energy. One half down, second half begins. And the second half begins with big time performances by two guys who are having great Junes. How about Yeltsin Gudinho and Ryan Noda? We'll start with Yeltsin, and Jesse, I've been so impressed with his game and how he has progressed since he started with the Lugnuts at the beginning of May after being sent down from Advanced Day that he didn't end until now. You know, when we first got him here, he was a guy that, you know, was just going to fill the void. And I don't know exactly what the conversation was between the Blue Jays front office and Yeltsin and where, okay, what I think happened is that they told him to come down here and say, okay, prove to us that you belong in advance, they prove to us that you can move up the the organization and not just be a guy that can be a you know I don't know just a guy that moves around and plays around the diamond. And he has shown that he can play shortstop every day when Vicuña's not in the lineup, or play third, or play second, or even play first base and hit for average. He's batting 303 right now, and he's just done a tremendous job. He is walking more. He's only struck out four times. I've just been so impressed. He's a great guy in the clubhouse. He's just a He's an amazing guy, amazing guy on the field and off the field. And for Ryan Nota, boy, has he turned things on. He has hit the ball so hard. He has seen it. He is hitting it. He is hitting it for power. The only thing that I've noticed is that his walks have gone down, but his homers, his powers, and everything else has gone up. So this is the Ryan Nota that the Blue Jays want to see because the walks are still there. I mean, 58 walks in 59 games isn't too bad, but – 
He's not going to walk three times a game, but I'll take a double and a triple like he did last night over two walks. Beautiful. Dante, any last thoughts about where the Lansing Lugnuts are going to go with the second half of the season after they've already clinched the playoffs from the first half? Well, I'm going to make a big statement. I don't think the Lansing Lugnuts are going to be under 500 um, in the second half of the season, and there's a few reasons why. The first one is, is because this lineup is still deep. You know, you got Grizzlonic who's hitting, Gelson Guarino's hitting. I think this team is here to stay going into the postseason especially. Um, you might get some call-ups here and there. I think the Lansing Lugman's bullpen is very underrated. I think Matt Shannon uh, could be very good down the stretch. Kyle Weatherly's been very consistent. Um, just the whole bullpen as a whole. I think Brody Rodney's going to turn the corner in the second half. Um, just overall, I think the starting rotation can be better than what it has been. The bullpen is a plus. The offense is still there. This team is going to turn heads going in the second half. I don't care that they've already made the postseason already, Jesse. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to stay over 500 in the second half no matter what. At Diamond underscore Dante on Twitter for Dante DeCaria, who joins me in calling Lansing Lugnuts games. Dante, thank you very much for checking in this week on Around the Nest. Thanks, Jesse. And from Dante, let's go down the ladder and let me bring in Niall O'Donoghue to talk some Vancouver Canadians. Niall, how are you? I'm doing very well, Jesse. A big thrill to be on the podcast. Uh, I'm an avid listener, and I never thought I'd be uh, on the other end of a conversation with you on this podcast. So it's a big pleasure, thrill, and honor. Well, I, I'm glad that you can, because one of the difficulties is that ever since we started this show, it's been a Friday show. It's been, in general, a Friday afternoon show. And the Canadians play Nooners at home on Fridays. And so because of that, although I'd love to check in with Rob Fay, I'd love to see what's going on with the Canadians, that has interfered with the schedule. So I'm glad to have you on, even while the Seas are in action at the moment. Uh, that's right. Uh, the game just uh, underway. And uh, good news for the Seas that they were able to uh, get out of the inning uh, unscathed. Uh, just a walk to, uh, issued by Jose Espada. But uh, so far, so good. Espada was around 91 on the radar gun. But... Yeah, they call them Nooners here in Vancouver, but really they should be called Wonners because uh, the games always start at 105 <laughs> for weekday afternoons. With your C's, before we get into the actual on-field play so far, when you looked at your opening day roster, and then especially that next step, when you saw the eight players joining you from the 2018 draft, who jumped out to you? Who are guys that you said, I'm really excited to see how he progresses this season in the Northwest League? I think Joey Murray was definitely the name that jumped out at me. Uh, he was definitely somebody who was able to rack up the strike cats uh, uh, during his college career. He led the MAC in Ks, and, uh, and he throws what uh, they call an invisible. So I guess, obviously, hitters have trouble picking up the ball. Uh, but he looked very good in his debut during uh, this opening series uh, against Everett. Um, as far as the uh, other draft picks go, um, I think Chris Beck, he's gotten off to a very good start uh, with the bat. Uh, is also shown some good speed as well. He has uh, two stolen bases, and he actually stole 16 bases uh, during his senior year at the University of Maine. So it's not very often you have a catcher who run the bases so well and be able to steal you the odd bag. So uh, those are a couple of names anyway that uh, jump out at me. All right, so that's what you saw on paper. And then the team starts playing in games. What are your first impressions? Now, right now, this team is just simply struggling to score runs. Uh, they've been shut out now a uh, third time in uh, six games, and they just aren't able to get the key hit. Uh, but yesterday, I thought there were some positive signs. They were making more contact. There were some hard-hit balls. Uh, take the ninth inning last, of last night's game against Everett. They had a runner on uh, in Brian Lazardo, and Lazardo 
Sorry, I'm getting my games all uh, mixed up here, but it was Tanner Kerr, actually. He he got the base hit to start off the ninth inning. He was able to eventually make it a third. And uh, just before that, Brian Lazardo hit one right up the middle. I thought it was going to go through, but the shortstop was positioned absolutely perfectly, made the throw. So uh, Kerr could only advance a second, and then uh, Riley Johnson grounding out uh, to short, and uh, that ended the game. With uh, Tanner Kerwer, he, he did cross home plate, but the run didn't count. He kind of just stopped on the plate in frustration. So that's really the one thing that's been jumping out, just basically the lack of offense. But the pitching, for the most part, has been pretty decent, especially the bullpen. The bullpen is, is uh, definitely giving the Seas a, a chance to win every night. Any guys that you want to highlight out of that bullpen? Uh, I think the one guy I would definitely like to highlight would be uh, Connor Law. Actually, he... Uh, uh, enters uh, into uh, today's play with the highest uh, strikeout ratio per nine innings, and he has looked very solid out of the pen, throwing around 94, 95 miles an hour. Uh, he has six strikeouts already. He was uh, very dominant last night with a couple of Ks. Uh, he has looked really good out of the bullpen. Uh, certainly another name was uh, Kobe Johnson. Uh, he picked up a save uh, during the opening series against Eugene. Uh, throws around 92, 93. Uh, just being able to watch the, the broadcasts on MILB.TV. Uh, uh, he has looked very solid. And uh, uh, Orlando Pasquale, kind of a rough first outing, but I thought he looked very good last night. He was regaining his all-star form from 2017, and uh, he pitched a couple of shutout innings during the season 1-0 uh, loss last night to Everett. About Orlando Pasquale, last year, your bullpen was one of the true strengths of the team because you didn't score that many runs, especially deep into the postseason, and yet they'd score just a few. They'd score the necessary amount, and then it was Ouellette, it was Pasquale, it was the guys down at the end, Graham Spraker coming up from Bluefield. Did it surprise you to get Pasquale back this year? I was very shocked. Uh, I was here during uh, the team's media day, and I saw number 18, Orlando Pasquale, just kind of hanging out around the ballpark, and then I, I kind of had to do a bit of a double take. I'll be quite honest with you. That was certainly one name I was not expecting to be on the roster sheet. And, uh, yeah, he is back. So the seeds will take him right now, but I'm sure he won't be here for long. But uh, certainly that bullpen was just outstanding last year. You have Braden Boucher now, and he was outstanding, especially during the second half. Definitely had the curveball working, especially during uh, the Northwest League Finals in 2017. So, uh, it's good to see the Lisa bullpen tradition carrying over from 2017, carrying over to 2018. And certainly one other name I do want to highlight, uh, Nick Allgaier. He looked very good uh, during the home opener as well. Uh, he had four strikeouts in two innings. So uh, a pretty uh, solid back end of the bullpen. Now the Seas can just get some runs. Maybe they'll put some W's up on the board. And lastly, Niall, something that Rob Fay told me last year and what I've discovered has been absolutely true was the personalities of the 2017 draftees that they came in and they established a tremendous clubhouse last year for the Seas. What have you seen from the personalities so far from the 2018 draftees? Well, I've seen, I've seen guys who like to, it looks like, you know, you see them hang out in the field, they like to joke around and, uh, you know, have a good time, that they have each other's back. And I think for the most part, they're, they're definitely, uh, you know, they're getting after it, just unfortunately just not getting the key hits at the same time. Uh, I thought maybe one, one person who was kind of very laid back was Randy Pondler. And uh, Pondler, who was the opening day starter in Eugene, just can't get a run of support. He has had nothing to work with, but he only gave up two runs uh, over five innings during the first game in Eugene. And then uh, last night only gave up the one solo home run in six innings, and that turned out to be enough for Everett on that night. But I thought Randy Pondler, he was just kind of laying back, you know, just lurking in the weeds. He looked like he was ready to go 
um, that day to pitch. I think he was he was all business on the mound. But yeah, for the most part, I, I think you're seeing good team chemistry, and that is something uh, that uh, Dallas McPherson has been talking about, wanting to establish a team chemistry, and something that started back in extended spring training. Niall O'Donohue, shall I promote C's Plus Baseball on Twitter? Uh, that would be great. Yeah, it's CS Plus Baseball. Um, that's uh, where you can find me on Twitter, also on Instagram, uh, the website as well, .ca. And I appreciate you joining us this week on Around the Nest. And whenever the Canadians have a nooner, if you want to drop by, that would be a blast. I would absolutely love to, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, always enjoy the show, and I can't believe I still can't believe I'm going to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened. It's over. We'll check in. Niall, thank you. Thank you. And from Niall O'Donohue, let's move up the ladder, and let me bring in Daniel Venn. From the Dunedin Blue Jays. Dan, how are you? Doing very well, Jesse. How are you doing today? I'm good. Okay. So let's talk about this. In general, this show has been filled with guys who are radio broadcasters for the minor league affiliates, right? It's Pat Malacaro, voice of the Bisons. It's whether Tyler Zickler, Tyler Murray, voice of the New Hampshire Fishercats, and right on down. And so now I can officially say, let me welcome in one of the voices of the Dunedin Blue Jays, Mr. Daniel Venn. How did you enjoy being on the radio? I have to say, uh, Jesse, when Jim told me that he was going to miss a day and that. No, either was no broadcast or I was doing the broadcast. Um, terrified was probably a mild word for it. I have never done any radio besides this show about twice in my life. And, you know, I've sat in and listened to Jim all the time, but to have the mic in my hands, it was it was quite the experience. I think I left that game I did last week with a real newfound appreciation for what all you guys do each day. And I would encourage well, anyone at home tonight, if you're watching a baseball game, turn off the volume and just spend an inning trying to do your own broadcast. It is quite the challenge. That's how I trained. That's how I uh, got ready to start broadcasting was I was told by somebody, put a game on mute and give it your best effort, record it, listen back to it and see if you can get better and better from there. So are you ready for your second game whenever that might have to be? You know, there was, it was top of the ninth. We had two strikes for two outs. and, And I remember saying, The St. Lucie Mets are down to their last strike, and hopefully I am too as a minor league broadcaster. And Jake Fishman struck out the last guy, and and I signed off saying that this was the last time I would do it. Would I do it again? Was it a lot of fun? Absolutely. But, you know, Jim's a lot better than I am, and and I'm glad to give him the reins back. Let's talk about your Dunedin Blue Jays. How about Kevin Smith's play? He's been, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. He started four for 25. We had a little bit of a slow start in our league adjusting the pitching, but since then he's 21 for his last 54, which is almost a 400 batting average. He's hit five home runs, which is now tied for our team league, and he's only been here for a month. He's on a current 12-game hitting streak. He's been great in the field. And you know, more importantly, everywhere I go, everyone I talk to, even though like opposing team players will be like, Kevin Smith is a leader and he is a winner. That's the word I keep hearing about him, people saying Kevin Smith is a winner, and he's shown on and off the field with us so far. It's been interesting to me, watching whether it's him, whether it was Casey Clemens from earlier this year, or the guys last year, the adjustments that need to be made, the differences between playing in the Midwest League where I watch them, and then moving up to the Florida State League, that next level up as they try to level up, 
Has there been any continuing theme? Is there any similar factor that ties it all together, or is it different for each player? I do think we've seen, especially with some of our power hitters, um, when they first come up from Lansing, you know, they're talking Casey Clemens last year, Bradley Jones. You know, these power guys come up, and they immediately don't have that power. And you know, both Casey and Bradley have struggled with a lot of strikeouts starting their Dunedin career. And as they spend more time seeing this pitching, those strikeouts go down. But I do think it's a big jump. And I can't imagine before there was high A ball when guys were going directly from A ball to double A. I mean, that had to be a huge jump because just the jump from A to high A seems to be a pretty big one for a lot of our hitters. Let's talk pitching now because, okay, hitting is one thing. You have received strong pitching recently. Take me through it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a team that put up a 2.99 team ERA in the month of May. Um, the bullpen ERA was in the one. I mean, they've been phenomenal, and it was something we were really worried about because we've seen a lot of our arms go up from TJ Zoic, Josh DeGraff, Kirby Snead out of our bullpen. We lost, you know, in, a, in about two weeks, we lost five or six pitchers, and we were worried about that. But Patrick Murphy and Taylor Saucedo have have emerged as legitimate aces at this level for us as our one and our two. Yancy Diaz and Zach Lowe coming in, and obviously Angel Perdomo, who made the all-star team, has been great. I mean, we have a pitching staff that all five of our starting pitchers, we feel confident every time they pitch that we're going to be able to come home and win that game as long as we give them some run support. So going into the second half, we've been playing great the month of June. We are really excited about this team that really has been led by its pitching going into the second half. Is it true what I heard that Patrick Murphy is now working in the mid to the upper 90s? It's not just that he's working. I mean, he is sitting at 96-97. I think the last start he did, actually, the game I was on the radio, so I was paying even more keen attention to it because um, it gave me something to talk about. But in the first inning, he didn't throw a fastball slower than 97 miles an hour. He hit 98 multiple times. Patrick Murphy has had seen a huge jump in his velocity. But talking to him recently and talking about, I mean, the guy had a 0.50 ERA so far in the month of June in three starts prior to his last starts. You know, I asked him, how have, you know, is it the velocity that's making you so good? And he said it's actually throwing less fastballs. He's been using his curveball a lot more, especially early in the game, and mixing that in. And he said that having a good curveball and showing it to hitters and where they know he might throw it at any count makes his fastball even more impressive to the hitter. And so for him, the velocity is great, 97, 98, but it's actually going to the breaking stuff that's making his fastball even better. How about Taylor Saucedo? What has been the key for him taking that next step forward? Yeah, Sauce had, he had an ERA of six even in the month of April, and you know he wasn't all that impressive on the mound, but he sat down with Mark Riggins, who a lot of our pitchers say he's not just a pitching coach, he's a magician. Um, when it comes to fixing pitchers who are struggling. And Sauce and Riggins sat down, and Sauce said he wanted to lower his arm slot a little bit, that originally he'd thrown from more of a three-quarter slot, and when he was drafted, he'd raised up to more over the top. And he said, you know, I've got a, my ERAs at six. Let's go back to what used to work for me and see what happened. And since then, he's got an ERA, I think, 2.58 over the last two months, and he's really become our number one starting pitcher. So it's just a little mechanical adjustment that's given him both better control, but it's making all of his pitchers, all of his pitches move more. So he's been great the last couple of weeks, and hopefully he'll be in double-A pretty soon. Dan, tremendous. The Dunedin Blue Jays are on the road at Clearwater through the weekend. 
and then on the road at Florida through next week before they're back home against the Bradenton Marauders starting up on the 29th. Dan Venn, you can find him on Twitter, and I love it, at Galapagos Dan. Thank you so much for your time this week. And seriously, whatever you put your mind to in the future, whether it's broadcasting, whether you continue to expand your repertoire, I can't wait to see. Well, thanks a lot, Jesse. Always a pleasure to be on Around the Nest. And so that does it for this week. Dan Venn in Dunedin and Niall O'Donoghue checking in from Vancouver. Zach Helton with the Bluefield Blue Jays. Tyler Zickel with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats and Dante DiCaria with the Lansing Lugnuts. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. This is another week of Jay talking away around the Blue Jays minor league system. Enjoy the baseball and we'll check back in next week.